Next week, we, uh, we begin a new series. Actually, we're going to talk about um, our verse for the year. We won't talk about it, but introduce it. It's Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. That's our year for the uh, verse for the year. And uh, we'll be looking at that. Next week, though, annually, we have a tradition of just any questions that you might have. So there won't be a traditional sermon, but any questions. So as we look back on 2013, uh, questions you've had about anything we preached about or just something you've been thinking about, and you would just, I'd like to ask Pastor Henry. Uh, next week when you come in, there will be um, a place for you to write the questions down if you're a child or an adult, or you, you can do that. But I, I like to focus it a little bit more. And so read Luke 2.52 this week. And as you do your own meditation on it, you might have some questions. Uh, it's going to be a year of growth, and we'll be looking at how God wants us to grow spiritually, relationally, financially, and physically. He wants us to grow in all of those areas. And now all of us, you know, some of us when it comes to our spiritual thing, we, you know, we really have that down. <laughs> you, you ladies, you, you just moved me this morning with your testimony and your prayers. I, I'm still feeling the anointing of God from that. Thank you for being uh, vulnerable and for taking the step of faith to share with us. There's a real gift. Thank you so much. Thank you. So when it comes to the spiritual part, you know, we're, we're in touch with God. But the relational part, we're kind of weak. You know, I, a friend of mine asked me one time, um, how's the world treating you? And I said, well, the world's treating me fine. People are getting on my last nerve. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, you know, we're, we're good with God, but we, we kind of need some help when it comes to how we communicate to other people and build friendships. Then some of us really, we're strong, you know, with God and our friendships. But, but you know, when, when it comes to uh, managing our own personal resources and our finances, we're, we're just out of touch with reality. We spend money on things we don't need to impress people who don't care. Our money tells us where it wants to go, and then we try to figure out where it went. <laughs> and we need help practical help. And so we're going to look at that. And then some of us are great spiritually. We, we love people. You know, we manage our stuff well, but physically, somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Mm -hmm. And we don't, you know, we don't set goals for ourselves in the physical area, and we're on a, we're on a path. And, and uh, you know, I've definitely, you've been watching me here struggle with this, and God is helping to be an overcomer, you know. I've lost some significant weight, and I'm working on my exercise. But we in America, we, it's a, it's a, our physical health is a pandemic, and we've got to do something about that. But we can't do it by ourselves. And uh, I want to thank those of you who encouraged me. I came in one Sunday, and actually I got on the scale, and I had gained two pounds. And somebody said, Pastor? Oh, I can see you have lost so much weight. Just keep that up. You know, and I went, oh, you have no idea. 
what an encouragement. That we need to be an encouragement. We need to be on the team. Everybody say, team together. So we're going to be looking over the year, we're going to be looking at those four things. And undergirding that is a discovery because he grew, Jesus we're talking about, he grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor. Everybody say favor. favor. We're going to be looking at what the favor of God is and how you get it. And so, so that's going to be in our fall quarter and I invite you to come and be a part of that. Today, I'm going to look at the passage. We read a lot of passages, and we've been reading scripture, and, and you know, all during Advent, we've read a lot of scripture. You say, well, pastor, we're just reading stuff. I don't even know what I'm reading or saying, you know. It's okay. You don't have to. The word is so powerful. You read that stuff, and it's going to get, it goes in here, and, and then the Holy Spirit at the right time can get it, and get you, and get me, and inspire us. Encourage us to be the men and women of God that he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So we've been reading a lot of scripture. So we read Matthew 2, 13 through 23. And so the title of my sermon this morning is The Big Letdown After the Big Build Up. (laughs) So Christmas 2013 is over. Everybody say over. over. The tree is still up, but there's no presents underneath. Turkey is skeleton, you know, visiting family members have left and they've gone back home and life has gotten back to normal and many of us suffer from the post-Christmas blahs. You know, it's kind of a depression, you know, after all the hoopla of Christmas, the big letdown after the big buildup. What do you do? Where do you land in this scenario? And so I would say to you and to myself, I'm saying this, God is still in charge. Everybody say that with me. God is still in charge. Now think about what it was like for Mary and Joseph. We spend weeks before Christmas preaching about the events leading up to and including the birth of Jesus. But we seldom hear a sermon about what happens to them after Christmas. Now, many people don't consider Joseph to be a very important character in the Christmas story. Uh, And interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't record anything that Joseph ever said. (laughs) The emphasis is always on Jesus, Mary, shepherds, the wise men. But this morning, Joseph is a central character. And so we're going to look at Joseph and learn some things about Joseph. So uh, Nathan, is that okay with you? All right, Nathan says it's okay, so we're going to go. In fact, if Joseph (laughs) was here this morning, if he walked in here, We'd have to look at Joseph and say, Joseph, you the man. Because <laughs> Joseph faced some tremendous challenges in his life, but he measured up with the help of God. So, now think about it. Their life was going to be turned upside down, topsy-turvy. Nothing would ever be the same again. Luke, interesting, you know, Luke sums up their life in just two verses, the next 12 years. This is what Luke says. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee on their own town, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. That's Luke. Twelve years in those two verses. Matthew gives us a lot more detail. And that's where we're in this morning. So look at Matthew 2 and begin with verse 13. And 
we read it earlier. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother. Escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. The wise men visited Mary and Joseph and presented them with their three gifts. When they leave, they go to bed, and Joseph has a dream. Now, this isn't the first dream that Joseph ever had. We think that Joseph was quite a bit older than Mary, and maybe like a lot of us, he took a lot of naps. Anyway, while an angel appeared to Mary and told her of her forthcoming pregnancy, God always spoke to Joseph in dreams. He says in the dream, flee to Egypt because Herod is going to try to kill Jesus. So I want to look at three things here about Joseph. Number one, and excuse me, can I just take a moment here? I'm sorry about this. I told you before when the Holy Spirit moves on me, I start clogging up. So let's take a minute to clear this out. Thank you for your patience. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Very kind. We look at Joseph's obedience. Joseph didn't waste any time. He didn't wait until morning. The angel said, get up and leave. He got right up. That's obedience. He and Mary had traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, expecting to stay only for a few days and then return. They had not planned on moving. Lock, stock, and barrel. Their family was back in Nazareth. They hadn't even said goodbye. They didn't bring a wagon loaded with goods or anything like that. In the middle of the night, God said move. I mean, Joseph had a carpenter shop back in Nazareth. Who's going to take care of that? But Joseph did not ask for plan B. He didn't wait to try to figure it all out. He just obeyed. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I believe that's the attitude we ought to have when we know that God has spoken or he's speaking. God said it. I believe it. That settled it. And we move. That's the attitude. I think that's why God chose Joseph to be the stepfather of Jesus. God knew his heart that Joseph was sensitive to the will of God. Secondly, not only was he obedient, but we see God's provision. When God calls, he provides. So uh, some of us, just met a couple this morning who are planning to, uh, to be engaged and get married, and you're at the beginning of your life, and you're thinking about the future, and, and it's kind of scary when you make a commitment to another person, and then you make a commitment to God. And, or you, I, I met another young college student, well, she's a graduate, actually, and she's a missionary to students in Arizona, and there's the issue of support, financial support. How's it going to happen? When is it going to come in? But you know what? When God calls, he provides. Can somebody say amen? Amen. God wouldn't have told Mary and Joseph to go down to Egypt and then say, you're on your own, good luck. (laughs) They would need money to live off while down in Egypt, and God provided it for them through the wise men. Those magi brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they had enough, even though they weren't prepared. They didn't think they were. But God knew and provided for them. Number three, Joseph was obedient. He discovered God's provision. But number three, we see Herod's anger. I mean, Herod, 
Talk about post-Christmas blues. This isn't usually included in plays about the Christmas story. You know, we leave this part out. Mary and Jesus, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus running for their life, fleeing the country, dead babies left behind. It's not part of our holiday picture. Let's take a closer look at Herod. This dude was mean and vicious. Caesar Augustus quote, was once quoted as saying that it would be better to be King Herod's pig than his son. Pigs were protected by law. Herod's family weren't. King Herod had already killed two of his own sons. He had them strangled. He also killed one of his ten wives, his favorite wife, because he thought she had been unfaithful, which she wasn't. He killed his 18-year-old brother-in-law because the Jews liked him better than they liked Herod. What's a few babies in Bethlehem to King Herod? Huh. The slaughter of innocent children in Bethlehem was a fulfillment of prophecy. Jeremiah 31, 15, this is what the Lord says. A cry is heard in Ramah, deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for her children are gone. You ask, what does this have to do with Rachel and Ramah? Rachel, the wife of Jacob, was buried in Bethlehem. Or where is Ramah? Bethlehem was about five miles south of Jerusalem. Ramah was about five miles north of Jerusalem. Herod took a pencil and drew a circle around Jerusalem, probably 10 miles north-south of Jerusalem, and said, kill every boy under two years of age. This dude was vicious. He was sick. Joseph was obedient. He discovered God's provision. We see a picture of the anger that he had to deal with. And finally, number four, God's plan. It had been God's plan all along for Jesus to come out of Egypt, just like his children did 1,500 years before under Moses. Mary and Joseph wouldn't be alone in Egypt. By this time, Egypt was under Roman rule, but Herod didn't have any power there. There was already multiplied thousands of Jews who had fled there to find safety from wicked King Herod. There were Jewish settlements, synagogues. Uh, there was a community. The land that had once enslaved the Jews, God now used to protect the Jews. In 219, we discover King Herod finally dies, not long after Mary and Joseph go to Egypt. But before his death of a very painful and horrible disease, and knowing he was about to die, he ordered all the Jewish nobility to be shut up in the Hippodrome, and surrounded by soldiers. And when word came of his death, they were to be slaughtered. He wanted there to be weeping and wailing at his death, and he knew they wouldn't be crying over his death. <laughs> he died, but the order was never carried out. Joseph has another dream, and the angel speaks to him once again in verse 20. Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. Mary and Joseph were probably on their way back to Nazareth, by way of Jerusalem, and he arose, no questions, no arguments, no problem. It's time to go back home. God had protected them, and now they could return. God didn't want his son Jesus to be brought up in Egypt. God had delivered them from Egypt 1,500 years before, and he didn't want his son to be raised in that heathen environment. 21, another dream. Joseph heard that Herod's son was on the throne, and Archelaus was worse than his father. There was a riot in Jerusalem, and Archelaus stopped it 
This is how he stopped the riot. Killed everybody in the crowd. He went into the temple one Passover and had 3,000 Jews murdered right on the spot. You're talking about vicious. You're talking about cruel. This is unmitigated anger. Finally, Rome had enough, banished him to what is now France where he died. Verse 22, Mary and Joseph, when they got to Judea, where Archelaus ruled, were afraid to stay in that area very long. So, being warned by God in a dream, they headed north as fast as they could to Nazareth in Galilee. This also fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. Nazareth was a small town. <laughs> and it was famous for being not famous. No one ever heard of Nazareth. It isn't even mentioned in the Old Testament at all. Not far from Nazareth, though, the major highways running north, south, and east, west crossed there. It was so insignificant that in John 1:46, Nathaniel queries, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But there's something special and significant about small towns. God wanted his son to be raised in a place outside of politics and prosperity and notoriety. He wanted it to be a place that was simple without fame or prestige. And in this town, at the crossroads of a lot of commerce, were a lot of Gentiles. I believe God wanted Jesus to be raised in a multi-ethnic environment. So what can we learn from this as I conclude? Number one, the safest place to be is where God leads you. The safest place to be is where God leads you. The wise men followed a star and it led them to the Christ child. The wise men followed God's instruction in a dream and they escaped Herod's wrath. Joseph followed the angel's instruction in a dream and escaped to Egypt. Joseph followed God's instruction in a dream and escaped the wrath of Herod. The safest place you can be is right smack in the center of God's will. Can we get an amen? amen? Secondly, we notice from these, from this uh, narrative, is that Christians are not exempt from trouble. <laughs> Look at all the suffering and trouble that the first Christmas brought about. The wise men avoiding the wrath of Herod, Mary and Joseph fleeing for their life, Multitudes of innocent babies killed by a mad king. This was just a baby, God's baby boy. Why didn't God just get rid of Herod? <laughs> that would have solved the whole problem. But then, and I guess this is a philosophical question, why doesn't God just get rid of the devil? He's behind all the evil in the world today even. But look at what happened to Herod. He died like the dog he was. Look at what happened to Archelaus. He died in exile. God will win out in the end. Can somebody say amen? amen. In the meantime, everybody say in the, meantime. in the meantime. He always gives us the strength to win every battle. Can we say hallelujah? hallelujah. And finally, number three, <coughs> God is in charge. He's in charge. Some of us are going through some very, very difficult circumstances right now. I mean, if you've been, if you've been on Facebook and, and 
praying with the Hesses and their grandchild, Chloe, and their family, Carolyn and David. Very, very. I'm just reading Judy's face mail plea for prayer. I can feel her heart as she's trying to comfort her grandchild. And the child is in turmoil. You say, well, God, what? are you in this? Is your hand, is your face absent? You know, there are times in our life when you go through something and it's dark, friends. Looks like God has forgotten us, but he hasn't. Every single thing, every challenge, every tough circumstance, there's a God who is sovereign. He sits high, hallelujah, and he looks low. And he's aware of what you need. And you just, you know, I heard somebody say, you can't have a testimony without a test. When you're working out, you can't develop strength without pushing, without believing, without persevering. So we stand strong because God, Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good. Hmm. Joseph and Mary experienced that post-Christmas blues. They didn't have their baby in Bethlehem and then live happily ever after. No, they didn't. <laughs> their dreams of going back to Nazareth to live a quiet and peaceable life were postponed for a few years. Their life was nothing like they had planned. Maybe right now, even as I close this time here, you're experiencing that big letdown after the buildup. Maybe your Christmas wasn't always all that you expected. Now that Christmas is over, maybe the excitement is passed and your balloon is popped. Guess what? God is still in charge. Everybody shout, God is still in charge. Still in charge. He didn't leave Mary in Bethlehem to go it alone. He didn't leave them in Egypt to tough it out. He's still on the throne. God's still in charge. So what do you do when there's been a big letdown after a big buildup? You affirm your trust in God. That's where the word of God is so powerful. David said, I've been young, now I'm old, never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He said, well, I've got some physical needs. I've got some financial needs. I've got some business challenges. There are some things that need to fall into place. Well, if you're there, I'm there with you. And that's where the word of God is so powerful. And I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And we're going to read together some of the promises of God beginning with Jeremiah 29, 11. And friends, when you read this, read it with confidence. This is God's word. This is God speaking a now word for you and for me right now. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's say it together. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powers. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. 
but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk. Philippians 4.19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Proverbs 1.33, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. John 14.27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Let's sing that song, Trust in the Lord, and let's make it a statement of faith. I don't know where you are and what you need, but I know we all need something. And even as Christina and Sarah prayed for us this morning, take the step of faith. And the challenge of faith is to take the next step of obedience. Trust in the Lord. Sing it with me. Trust in the Lord. He'll never forsake you. He'll always protect you. He's always there. Trust in the Lord when life seems confusing and feelings are take you. Turn to the depend on him he's always there let's sing it together one more time trust trust in the lord he'll never forsake you he'll always protect you he's always there what should you do trust in the lord when life seems confusing and feelings are take, what can you do? Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. One more time. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. the last Sunday of the year and so 
I'm going to ask you to come forward here and feel the press with me. Everybody come forward and move on up here. Make sure your shoulder's standing next to somebody else. Feel that press. We haven't seen uh, Richard and Nelda Owens with us here, and we're glad to have them. And I'm going to ask Richard to come and say a prayer of <laughs> blessing and benediction over us. God knows what we need. He knows where we are. Let's bow our heads, please. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, God, we, just, we come before you today with, with humble hearts, with open hearts, Lord. We thank you for just for, for showing us how to follow you, Lord. And Lord, as we close this year and go into a new year, we pray for faith like Joseph, Lord. Father, help us to be obedient to you, to open our minds, clear us of all the clutter that's in there, open our minds and our ears to hear you speak to us, Lord, whether it be through dreams, whether it be through friends or family, mm -hmm. through your word, Lord, however you communicate to us, whatever our means are communicate to us tell us where you want us to go lord where you see us going what you see for us what dreams how can we move forward move towards you lord and do what you call us to do father god help us to be like joseph who doesn't sit there and ask why instead he just does yes and sometimes lord we know that that's our we we question help us to not question but to just go lord Go to Egypt, return back to you, Lord. Help us all turn to you, Father. And Lord, I pray for every person here that you will allow the strength that they have and the gifts and the talents that you have given them to shine this year, Lord, to help to grow and nurture River 47 and the surrounding community, Lord, so that we can find favor with you, God. Mm. And Lord, we just we just praise you, Lord, Thank for... You, Jesus. You're just so amazing, mighty, and powerful, Lord. And we give you all the glory, all the praise, Father. And in Jesus' name we pray. Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.